Art of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy. Written and produced by Travis Heerman. Voice talent by Daniel McCarville and Zeus Legion. For more information, please visit TravisHeerman.com. This novel contains violence and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 2. There was a man who said, That person has a violent disposition, but this is what I said right to his face. This is an unbecoming thing to say, and it was said simply because he wanted to be known as a rough fellow. It was rather low, and it can be seen that he was still rather immature. It is because a samurai has correct manners that he is admired. Speaking of other people in this way is no different from an exchange between low-class spearmen. It is vulgar. Hagakure. The air was damp and chilly on Kanishi's face as he walked along the rocky coastline. The cold gray of the waves merged in the distance with the colorless sky, making it difficult to discern where the sea ended and sky began. The neighboring mountains rose into the shrouds, losing their heads in the mist, their forested slopes soaking up the mist like a sponge. A few small fishing boats bobbing on the frothy crests of waves were the only features in the endless gloom. The thunderous crash of the surf drowned out the cries of the seabirds dipping and hovering on the wintry air. But even so, the weather was more hospitable than he remembered the winters in the north. Winters he spent huddled in a cold, cheerless cave, hoarding the warmth of a tiny fire. His quilted undergarment now kept the worst of the cold at bay, and he kept his hands inside his robes. Back in the port town of Hakozaki, he purchased a less expensive set of clothes than those he had received as gifts. He did not wish to ruin those with the dust and unpredictability of the road. At least... That was what he told himself. There was no road here, only endless stretches of rocky shoreline trailing around the skirts of towering mountains and hills, interspersed with a few modest beaches. And he saw no one, except for a cow, who picked his way among the rocks ahead, mindful of the ever-oncoming surf. Back in Hakozaki, Kanishi had overheard two merchants discussing a public notice and description of a criminal who murdered a Nishimuta constable. Apparently, his pardon had lasted only until he was out of Lord Nishimuta's sight. Wanted criminals were harder to spot because of all the people visiting the city for the New Year celebration. Even though he had thrown away his old, tattered garments and now wore his hair properly cut in the traditional warrior's style, he thought it was best to leave quickly. Hakozaki was now lost in the hazy distance behind him, somewhere around the curve of the Great Bay's shoreline. The grayness of the sky started to darken with the coming of evening when he spotted a small fishing boat coming toward shore, tossing on the waves. 
The fisherman was oaring heartily to keep the bow of his craft across the waves. Kanishi's gaze followed the boat's course to a sheltered inlet, where the shoreline hooked sharply out into the sea. Nestled in the inlet were several low docks, with other boats tied alongside. Among the trees, houses with roofs made of closely packed sticks and walls of gray weathered timber stood like hunched tortoises, lights shining through paper screens. Akao stopped to wait for him. The dog was feeling the same trepidation that always came with entering a new village. But he was hungry, too, as always. No meat on crabs. What fish? Are you going to steal some? Kanishi asked, teasing. Akao smiled back, tongue lolling. Perhaps. They approached the village by the stretch of beach near the docks. Even from a distance, the smells of fish and smoke were heavy in the air. A few fishermen worked at the docks, putting up their boats for the night or trussing up their catch. They noticed the man and the dog approaching, but upon seeing he was a warrior, pointedly ignored them. A few townsfolk walked the streets, and the sight of a stranger among them bearing weapons caused some suspicious second looks. But Kanishi no longer looked like a bandit or ruffian. He looked like a respectable samurai, and he had some money left to buy a room at the inn. He no longer needed to beg, at least for a while yet. Flamboyant streamers covered with painted characters hung from poles all around the village. They were a New Year custom, covered with prayers and wishes for the coming year. The sounds of music and revelry drifted from the center of town. Akao stopped. Smell good. Eat now? The dog took off at a trot. Kanishi took one step after him. Akao was an accomplished thief. He wouldn't go hungry tonight. Kanishi discovered that the music was coming from inside what looked to be the inn. As he stood outside, the warm smells of fish soup, rice, pickled radish, and the sharp pungency of sake struck him in the face. He stepped inside and placed his shoes among all the others near the door. The revelers hardly noticed him. The music was coming from two men playing the drum and biwa, and the celebrants were tipping jars of sake, heads bobbing to the music. Most of them appeared to be townsfolk, fishermen, and farmers. But Kanishi noticed a samurai sitting alone in one corner of the room. The samurai noticed him as well. They nodded to each other. Then the innkeeper stepped in front of Kanishi, bowing. He was a tall, thin man with an abundance of merry wrinkles at the corner of his eyes and a bulbous, sparsely-haired pate. Welcome, sir. Have you just come to town? Kanishi nodded. Have you any rooms? Yes, sir. You're in luck. I have one room left. Very well. The innkeeper showed him to a room at the rear of the inn. It was small, but clean, just large enough to spread a futon. The thin paper walls hardly diminished the sounds of the music and conversation. One of my best rooms, Lord. The bathhouse is across the street. Shall I bring you some food? We have many special treats tonight because of New Year. Kanishi nodded. Yes, food would be good. The older man departed. Kanishi left his pack and weapons in his room 
taking only his sword with him when he returned to the common room. He noted that the lone samurai watched him, but did not appear to be suspicious, merely watchful. The way the man sipped his sake indicated that he was not drunk. The innkeeper brought Kanishi food promptly. Tasty fish soup, a bowl of rice, some pickled plums and a handful of sweet, sticky rice cakes. He enjoyed his repast in silence, allowing the revelry to ebb and flow around him. The music's strange rhythms and tones danced in his mind, and he wondered if he could reproduce it on his flute. When Kanishi was nearly finished with his meal, a man came into the common room from one of the rooms in back and took a place among the other patrons. Ever alert, Kanishi wondered where he had been. His question was answered when he saw a woman dressed in brightly colored but threadbare robes. Her face was freshly powdered, and she seated herself near the hallway. After a moment, Kanishi realized that she was not a woman at all, but a girl, probably younger than him. She might have been pretty had there been any spark of life in her eyes. He recognized her bearing and posture as like that of other whores he had seen, weary, beaten down by a harsh existence. The girl had not been sitting long when a man stood up from among the patrons and staggered toward her. He reeked of fish, his eyes were dull, red-rimmed and watery, and he walked as if the floor was a heaving boat under his feet. The man was old enough to be her father, perhaps grandfather. After the man passed her, the girl stood up and followed him out of sight. No one else paid any mind, and Kanishi wondered why he had. He had seen whores and their patrons in inns and sake houses before, and none of them had gained his attention for more than an instant. Why was this time different? The longer the girl was gone, the more attuned to his surroundings his senses became. With a sudden insight, he realized his instincts were preparing him for a fight. The kami was speaking to him. Moments later, a terrific slap and a squeal of pain ripped through the air from the back rooms, halting the music and dropping silence over the revelry like a blanket. The musicians recovered from their surprise and tried to resume playing, until the girl came running out of the hallway and stumbled through the crowd, one hand covering the large red welt on her cheek, the other hand clutching her robes together. The innkeeper came out of the kitchen, and she ran toward him, throwing herself at his knees. A few seconds later, the drunken fisherman followed her out of the hallway, using the walls to support himself. She tried to rob me, that thieving little whore. His words were so slurred, they were barely intelligible. The girl looked up desperately into the man's face, shaking her head in denial, tears streaming down her cheeks. The drunken fisherman's voice rose, Give her to me. I'll show her what it means to steal a man's money. Kanishi heard her breathing whispered pleas to the innkeeper. The innkeeper's eyes said that he did not believe the fisherman's accusation, but the fisherman was a big, rough man. The samurai stood up, holding his scabbard in his left hand, and interposed himself between the innkeeper and the fisherman. His voice was measured and terse as he spoke to the fisherman. Yoba, do you still have your money? 
Well, yes, but... Then I will see to it she is punished for trying to steal from you. Tomorrow. No. Give that bitch to me. I'll beat her. The samurai's voice remained steady, but hardened. Let it be. This is the new year. A celebration. But Yoba staggered forward with drunken persistence. No. I'm going to punish her. The samurai assumed a ready stance, prepared to draw his weapon if necessary. A young man jumped up from the floor and stepped in front of the fisherman. Father, stop this. She is not worth it. The fisherman shoved the younger man aside, sending him sprawling across two other patrons. Stupid boy, you don't understand. She needs to be beaten. Stay out of my way or I'll see to you too. He took three more steps into the room. The girl was quivering with fear, huddled against the innkeeper's knees. The samurai said, Leave now. I will not warn you again. The fisherman stopped, took a deep breath, and his head sagged against his chest. The young man extricated himself from the patrons he had fallen on and stepped behind him. Let's go home, father. The fisherman nodded, allowing his son to support him as they made their way toward the door. As the samurai stepped aside to let them pass, Kanishi noticed the glint of cunning in the drunken fisherman's eyes, and his body tensed with the warning of danger. The fisherman used his son's body as a pivot and lunged at the samurai, colliding with him. The samurai grunted and staggered backwards, driven by the fisherman's weight. A dreadful hush fell over the room. Kanishi saw the crimson-smeared boning knife in the fisherman's fist. The samurai staggered back a step, clutching his side with his right hand, wearing an expression of speechless surprise on his blanched face, falling over a stunned patron onto his back. The young man, aghast, his mouth working but no sound coming out. The fisherman, his face beaming with triumph, his bloodshot eyes turning toward the girl, burning with fresh anticipation, taking a step toward her. Now, girl, the fisherman rasped, his breathing husky and drenched with sake. The horrified girl jumped up and hid behind the innkeeper, whimpering in terror. The older man's gaze was glued to the crimson blade, his eyes wide, frozen. Stop, Kanishi said. Eh? The fisherman turned and squinted through watery bloodshot eyes at Kanishi. His eyes widened for a moment, then narrowed, and he flipped the knife in his hand to grip it by the blade. He cocked his arm to throw. Silver Crane's blade caught him just below the ribcage, neatly parting his shirt and creating a pair of wet red lips stretching across his torso. A choked sound burst from the fisherman's throat as he clutched at the spreading wound with his empty hand. After a long moment, he fell forward onto his face, blood and entrails spilling from the great gash in his belly. Father! The young man's face twisted with shock and horror. Throughout the inn, dead silence. The young man glared at Kanishi. You killed him! Kanishi said nothing. He didn't have a chance! The young man's gaze fell to the corpse on the floor and watched the slow spread of the scarlet pool at his feet. 
the innkeeper said, Your father didn't give him a chance. He pointed at the wounded samurai who lay on the floor, gasping, his lips stained with blood. The samurai stared at the ceiling as if trying to concentrate on breathing, but the awareness in his eyes was diminishing. Then his chest ceased to rise, and his gasping ceased with a wet rattle. The young man's voice shrilled as he turned to the quivering, terrified girl. He wouldn't have hurt her, slut. This is all your fault, unclean whore. He took a step toward her. Don't. Kanishi's voice was cold as he raised his weapon. Another young man jumped up and grabbed the first by the arm. Chiba, don't be a fool. Kanishi said, listen to your friend. According to the law, the penalty for murder is death. What do you know of the law? Are you a constable? Or are you just a murderer? Chiba said, challenging. I have this authority. Kanishi said, raising his gleaming blade. And the knowledge of what is right. The samurai was killed by a drunken, treacherous fool. There is no honor in that. Justice has been done. Chiba's companion whispered, Let it go, Chiba. Let it go for now. He'll kill you too. Helpless, Chiba looked from his companion to Kanishi, to the cowering girl, to his father's body. He knelt and rolled the corpse onto its back. Then he and his companions picked up the body by the hands and feet and carried it outside, dribbling a trail of dark blood behind them. Within moments, the musicians and other patrons scurried out of the inn like a stampede of frightened rats. Kanishi was left alone with the innkeeper, the girl, and the dead samurai. He cleaned and sheathed his blade. The girl ran from behind the innkeeper and threw herself against Kanishi, weeping and sobbing words of thanks. The innkeeper approached him. Thank you, sir, for your help. Yoba has always been a drunken fool, always causing problems. Tonight, he went too far. Only his family will miss him. Family. He has three sons, Chiba, Koba, and Utsuba. His wife ran away years ago. Kanishi pointed at the samurai's body. This man's family will want his body and his sword. The innkeeper said to the girl, Kiyose, go and bring Norikage-sama. Tell him what happened. She bowed, then turned away and moved toward the door. The innkeeper said, Kiyose. She stopped and turned expectantly. She shook her head vehemently. Then why did he attack you? Kanishi asked. The welt on her cheek darkened with the redness of her face. She hesitated, her gaze falling inward. He couldn't, and it made him angry. The innkeeper nodded, then gave her permission to go. She trotted off into the night. Kanishi nodded toward the dead samurai. Who was he? The innkeeper sighed. Regrettably, he was our constable. His name was Hojo no Masahige. Who is Norikage? Masahige's assistant. The innkeeper moved to straighten a table that had been knocked askew, stepping around the large pool of thickening blood on the floor. In ten years, I have never had a brawl such as this. 
he was speaking half to himself. Why would Yoba do something as stupid as kill the constable? That fool. And poor Kiyose. I have not had her long. I hope he didn't hurt her badly. Where did she come from? I bought her from a geisha house in Hakuzaki. She cannot sing or dance, so she was useless to them. But she is pretty enough, and the men in the village seem to like her. It is fortunate you were here, sir. He might have killed her, and perhaps me too. What is your name, sir? Kanishi. Kanishi-sama, thank you very much for your help tonight. My name is Teta. He bowed low. Kanishi bowed. If I may, how long do you plan to stay? Before Kanishi could answer the question, a new voice came from the doorway. What happened here? Where is Masahige? Kanishi turned to look at the newcomer. Trotting into the inn came a small, thin man with a narrow face, his age about thirty. He stopped and squinted up at Kanishi with his beady eyes. Who are you? Before Kanishi could answer, the man's gaze began to flick about the room, fixing on the corpse on the floor. Ah, oh, my lord, what has happened to you? You are dead. The man's voice was rich and sonorous, despite his size. Kiyose followed him a few paces behind, her eyes downcast, hands properly folded. Who did this? Teta said, Norikage-sama, Yoba, the fisherman killed him in a drunken frenzy. Norikage's beady eyes narrowed even further. Masahige was a capable warrior. How could he be killed by a simple fisherman? Kanishi said, Treachery, sir. The fisherman had a hidden knife and struck without warning. Norikage rubbed his thin, pointed beard. His hands were soft and thin. His gaze flicked toward Kanishi. And who are you? My name is Kanishi. I have just come to this village tonight. Norikage said, And where is Yoba now? Dead, Kanishi said. I killed him. Norikage said gravely, Yoba was a base, vulgar peasant. The world is a better place without him. You should beware his sons, however. They are as stupid as he was. They might seek vengeance. Norikage's eyes shifted about, glancing from Kanishi to the corpse, from Teta to the floor, his lips pursed, brow furrowed. Then he said, Kanishi, come with me. There is something we must discuss. Something in the rat-like little man's demeanor made him uneasy. Where? To my office. We can speak privately there. This will not take long. Kanishi bowed. Very well. Excuse me, Norikage-sama, but what about the body? Teta asked tentatively. My inn will be polluted. We'll see to it in good time. Kanishi, follow me, please. Norikage's office was a dark, cramped place, with a small desk stacked deep with dozens of documents. Kanishi seated himself opposite the desk from Norikage, 
and he noticed the little man wince with pain when he sat down himself, as if he were nursing an old injury. The room smelled of ink and dust. Norikage sifted through a stack of documents, pulled out one, and gathered his ink pot and brush. Kanishi waited as Norikage brushed several lines of characters onto the paper. Kanishi, Norikage said, please tell me again what happened in the inn. Leave out no detail. Kanishi told the story. When Kanishi was finished, Norikage said, Aoka Village is now without a constable. You seem like a man who hears the call of justice, and a man capable with a blade. His brush fluttered over the paper, leaving a black trace of swirls and lines. Kanishi nodded. Masahige was my superior, and now he is dead. I cannot become constable myself because I have no skill with weapons. I am not a samurai, but I am an able administrator. Masahige and I worked well together. We had an arrangement, an understanding. Are you Nishimuta clan? Norikage stopped speaking for a moment, an emotion Kanishi could not identify flicking across his face. No, I have no family name. Is that funny? You are smiling. His smooth voice rose slightly. I also have no family name. Norikage's eyes narrowed. A ronin. That explains your presence in these parts and answers many of my questions. What are you writing? A deputization order. The constable assigned to this village is dead. I believe you are a man who can be trusted, and you can handle yourself in a fight. I also sense that you are a man looking for an opportunity. I am offering you an opportunity. What do you say? Blood rushed in Kanishi's ears. He tried to keep his voice even. You're offering me a place as a constable of this village? Of course, you would take orders from me, rather than the other way around. Why would you do this? You do not know me. I have many reasons. After tonight, this offer will not be open. What do you say? Very well, Kanishi said. I accept. Norikage grinned like an eel. Excellent. We will work well together, I think. Now, sign your name to this document. He handed Kanishi the document he had been writing. Kanishi took the document and the brush and signed his name in ink for the first time. What does it say? You cannot read? Only a few characters. Norikage blinked once and paused. Well... That's more than anyone else in this village except for me, he said briskly. This document is mostly formalities, but states that you are now the village's protector, and that you are subordinate to my orders. Kanishi nodded, but said nothing. He handed the document back to Norikage. Norikage hid the traces of his smile. No matter. Your name is Kanishi. That is a strange name. What character is that? Your calligraphy is atrocious. Is it sword? Yes. He placed the document in front of him and brushed some more characters. 
a proper constable must be able to read and write. Kanishi said nothing. Teaching is not a task I like, but it is necessary, I suppose. I will teach you. Thank you, Norikage-sama. Norikage grimaced. Not Sama. Save that for the provincial governor. Very well, Norikage. Thank you for the opportunity. As Kanishi walked back to the inn, feeling the cold moistness of night air on his face, he wondered about his reactions to what had just happened. Finding service as a constable was not what he had envisioned. A constable? Him. Nevertheless, he was thrilled at the opportunity to have a place to sleep and food to eat. And he would not be an outlaw. How strange it would be not to be a criminal any longer. He had worn that face for far too long. But he would watch Norikage. That man was too slippery to be trustworthy. Kanishi had seen others of Norikage's kind when passing through the capital, a great city of fabulous wealth and beauty, but also one rife with corruption and poverty. Yes, he would wait and see. In the morning, when Akao returned, he would share in the dog's insights. The dog would be happy to have enough food as well. When he entered the inn, Kiyose was on her hands and knees, scrubbing the bloodstains from the wooden floor. The water in her bucket was as red as fresh blood. Masahige's body still lay where it had fallen. She turned toward Kanishi and pressed her forehead to the floor. She said, Thank you for all you have done, Kanishi-sama. Her voice was soft and quavering. Kanishi bowed. I only wish to be of service. He stepped around her and glanced at the samurai's face on the way to his room. The eyes stared at the ceiling, and the skin had taken on a grayish cast. In his room, he spread out the futon and prepared himself for sleep. The room was chilly and had no means of heat, but the blanket was heavy. He blew out the candle. Moments later, a silhouette appeared on the rice-paper door of his room, kneeling outside the threshold. Kiyose's voice was soft and quavering. Sir, may I come in? Yes. The door slid open, and she entered tentatively, closing the door behind her. She bowed and slid toward him on her knees. I'm sorry I'm so forward. Please forgive my rudeness. What is it? She sniffled and dabbed at her eyes with her sleeve. He would have killed me. I have but one thing to offer you in return for my life. He turned the blanket aside and beckoned her. She lay down beside him, and he covered her with the blanket. He encircled her with one arm and held her against his chest. Her hand delved lower, seeking his manhood, but he stopped her with a gentle touch. There will be time for that later, he said. Later? I will be staying here for a while, in the village. She nodded and rested her cheek upon his breast. For a long time they lay together, embraced, drifting toward sleep like unmoored boats. 
He felt the weight of her body against his, the softness of her flesh and the sharp impressions of bones beneath, perhaps too close to the surface. He breathed in the scent of her hair, but there was another face in his mind. Neither of them spoke again, but soon her tears were cooling on his chest. Thank you for listening to Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy by Travis Heerman. Volume 2, Sword of the Ronin, and Volume 3, Spirit of the Ronin, are available now on your favorite audiobook platform. Please visit TravisHeerman.com, look me up on social media, or send me an email. I would love to hear what you think about the story. <laughs>